0: Today I'm going to talk about what it means to be born again, but we're going to do this whole teaching in the light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which I believe is the true perspective of this message. I've preached many messages on what it means to be born again. And as one's understanding broadens and as you see what it's all about, almost as if your understanding broadens, but it narrows down to one point. And um, I've come to see that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what it is all about. The new creation is what it is all about. And that is what God has come to bring towards us. And we're going to look at a message that is foundational to all Pentecostal, Uh, charismatic churches in such a great way wherein we believe that we need to have a born-again experience. Uh, There's a time when you were lost and one day you called upon the name of the Lord and you became born again. Something happened, something changed. And I remember that I preached that you must be born again for many, many years. And I still believe that. That has not changed. But the perspective wherein it was preached was... Um, it it was not in what I'm going to explain to you today. It wasn't with this understanding, although it was true, that unless a person is born again, that he uh, he will not be able to see the kingdom of God. There are different views about this. The one view is that every individual must be born again. And then there's another view, which is that uh, everybody will be born again in one day, and it's basically then a realization of your new birth that's another view now i do believe in both of them i believe that there was a global new birth that took place in the resurrection of jesus christ and that every individual is then born again in his life from that truth and we're going to we're going to look at that in depth but before we get into that i want to just talk a little bit about the extraordinary love that God has for us. One might say, Beth, you know, this this message is is going to challenge, I can already feel it's challenging, it's going to challenge what I believe about this. Why should we go through all of this change? Why should we go into all of this renewal of the mind or understanding of the mindset that God has made available? It's simply because of this. God loves you. He loves people with everything that is within him. The Bible says in Luke 15.1, and I'm going to read it in the English, and then I'm going to read it in the Afrikaans and give you a direct translation out of the Afrikaans and what this means. It says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and the sinners for to hear him. Now what that verse in the English says is really not as powerful or closely remotely as powerful as what it is said in the Afrikaans translation. Now this basically says that the publicans and the sinners came to Jesus to listen to what he's got to say. It, you almost get the idea of a one-time event. But the Afrikaans states differently. It says, and I'm going to read in Afrikaans first, it says, In al die tollenaars in die sondaars het die gewoonte gehad om na hom te kom en na hom te luister. This is what it means. And all the tax collectors and the sinners had the custom to go to Jesus and listen to him. Now that is much different. The one, when we talk about a custom, you're talking about people that feel safe in the presence of someone else. And if we now go to uh, Luke 15 verse 2, I believe if we're in the English, it confirms the accuracy of of the Afrikaans because of the kind of a complaint that was brought in by the Pharisees. It says here, And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So it talks about a meal that was prepared, and then people that is received by Jesus. So what I get here, the feeling I get was, that Jesus invited these people over to his house, and he received them, It wasn't that they received him. In other words, he didn't go to their house and eat with them. He received them. In other words, he says, I welcome you. Come to me. And he would prepare a meal for them. And um, I'm sure he would have some wine there. He would have some food there prepared perfectly for tax collectors and sinners. And then he would minister to them and speak to them. So this is what it says, they drew near to him and they had the custom to go to him and to listen to him. So what was Jesus busy doing when he was talking to these Pharisees and, uh, not Pharisees, I'm talking about the tax collectors and the sinners. What was he trying to do? He was trying and he was speaking words that could change their mind about God and about who they are. And that changing of the mind about God and who they are would be called repentance. He wanted repentance for them. He offered them repentance. He came and showed them the very face of God, who God really is. That is what he he came to do. And we can see that he loved them. And in his love for them, he taught them and spoke to them so that through words spoken, their hearts could be convinced of truth. And as their hearts would be convinced of truth, we know the next thing that's going to happen is the truth would forgive them or deliver them from what binds them and destroys their lives. So we see that God really loves people. And people loved to be in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus made an effort, if you want to call it that way, that use that word, to teach people, to speak to them, to declare to them certain logic and truth and messages. He didn't just come and have a party and that was all. No. He gave them a meal. But inside that meal, in that time, was a time of teaching, a time of speaking. Why? Because through speaking and teaching, which is in line with truth, a person's heart gets persuaded and he starts to believe. And as he starts to believe, the truth spoken is born into him and then he is born from the truth that he's spoken. So we see that he loves us. And I want to say to you that that are watching, maybe you're watching this for the first time, You are deeply loved by God. The reason why God has got anything to do with you is because of His relentless love and His great work to preserve your life, that your life will not be lost, but that you will be saved and live forever with Him. One of the meanings of the word repent, and I preached about this this morning, (coughs) um, means to think with God or to have the same goal as what God has or basically to see God's goal for your life and to think that as the only truth about you. And the moment you realize what God's goal with your life is and you believe upon that goal, you've truly repented. Now, what is God's goal? In the moment I say to you, god's goal with your life one can think well i need to be a a doctor the other one can say well i need to be an athlete the other one can say well i need to be a mom raising my kids and you want to define your goal in life by what you do uh, in this life to basically make money now i want to tell you that is not we cannot define the goal that god has with us in this life by what we do for a living The goal that God has with you, and I want to put this foundation so clear because it's going to help help you understand the message. The goal that God has with man is to take a being and grant unto him what only God has. And there's one thing God has that no other being has and that is eternal existence. I don't want to use the words eternal life because there's too much uh, religion around that and, and then there's, there's too much legalism around that and already preconceived ideas when I say eternal life. I want to say eternal existence. Eternal, the only being that has eternal existence is the Almighty God. He is the only immortal the only undying, the only one without a beginning and without an end. And what God has dreamt and what His goal is with man is to create in us or or make us share in that, in granting unto us eternal existence so that He can expand and grow and basically duplicate, multiply, who and what he is, and so manifest himself for who he truly is, which is a family-orientated being. God wants a family, the family of the immortals, or, or the family of those who has eternal existence. And this eternal existence is not only found in unending time if we can even use the word time but it's also found in a certain quality of life that quality of life has got attributes called love and peace and joy and all of which the greatest is love that is what it has so what God wanted to do and what his goal is with your life is to bring forth who and what he is which is the rarest thing there is, which is God and what only he possesses, which is eternal existence, and bring that forth inside mortal people. They will not be mortal, but immortal, sharing in his quality of life, having a relationship and friendship with the Almighty God. That is what his dream is for us and that's how much he loves us and what he wants us to do is to repent because the moment we repent we will share in that life because a change of mind when we believe upon the goal that he has for us then we will not be working our own goals and our own ability anymore but we will actually then appropriate what he has given and that will then bring forth what he has dreamt for us right Now, I want to read Luke 3 here, and verse 3 it says, And he came into the country about uh, Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. So we see John the Baptist and Jesus also did the same thing. They preached repentance for the remission of sins. So what repentance would have as a fruit is the remission of sins. Now when you see remission of sins in a legal sense you will see it as a judge sitting there and saying well you're not guilty anymore but that is not what that means i mean i love that that song that says you're not guilty anymore uh, especially if you interpret it from a perspective of people that has felt guilty all their all their life and now they can say well i realize that I, I don't feel this guilt anymore. I used to carry this guilt, but I've now realized that I've basically never been guilty. I've been oppressed of the devil. I have been oppressed by the oppressor and bound in a bondage whereby I could never be free. And one of the emotions of that bondage was guilt but I'm not guilty anymore because I've realized the truth. I don't walk with guilt anymore. So when it it talks about the remission of sins here, it doesn't talk about not being guilty anymore. That would remission there or forgiveness simply means to set free from a jail or to set free out of bondage. That's what it means. So as an introduction to this message, I want to say this. God loves you so much that He would go and prepare a meal for you so that He can get your attention, so that He can speak to you and share words with you that can cause your mind to think differently about who you are and about who God is and about why you are here. For in a change of that mindset, He can, by His ability, actually set you free from the jail of guilt and Hatred and bitterness and fear for not having money. Fear for not living in this world in a way where you can have joy and peace because of what the world has preached to us. What we need to have to be happy and so forth. So here we see that he came and and preached repentance for or which will result into deliverance. Mark 2.17 says, When Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need for a physician, but they that are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners unto repentance. And what he's doing is he's actually saying that man's mind was sick with what he believed about God and himself. And he likens repentance here with someone that is sick, that needs healing. And all that he wants is, I've come to call sinners unto repentance. I've come to get people to have a new change or have a change of mind and have them see the goal that God had with them. So I want to say to you, this message that I'm preaching to you today, what is in my mind for you for today is so that you can experience the goal that God had with you from the beginning. And since I believe that the goal that God has with man or for man from the beginning is eternal existence or eternal life, I have to explain to you, Rome, uh, not Romans, uh, John chapter 3 and the new birth, as what I believe Jesus said this, so that we can experience that which God has really given to us remember what we said in the communion the just shall live by faith the just shall have life by faith and now just before that in verse 16 uh, Paul writes he says he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ which those of you that listen to these teachings regularly means the good news that Jesus was raised from the dead. He's not ashamed of the good news that Jesus was raised from the dead, because through this righteous act of God and through uh, his righteous act can be manifested towards us, as it's written, the just shall live by faith. So it's from faith unto faith. In other words, we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, And then from that persuasion, we are also persuaded that we shall be raised from the dead, for the just shall not have eternal existence or eternal life by their works, by the works of the law or their holy deeds, but by relying upon God. And because God has granted and given this eternal life to us, we will have the fruit of that eternal life which is then good works, or what Paul calls fruit of the Spirit. Now I want to read First Peter 1, and um, I'm going to, I didn't put that verse in here, but I'm going to read it from my Bible. First Peter 1, let me find it. I want to read verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away reserved in heaven. For you, So what is he saying here? He says that blessed be the God and the Father, let us talk well about the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who through his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a new and living hope. Now what is the living hope? Those of you that listen regularly would already know what it is, but the living hope is Jesus himself. Who Jesus is as a living human being seated at the right hand of the Father is the hope that we have. And God has now in Christ begotten us again with an, so that we can now have an expectation of a resurrection. Now when Adam sinned, man was begotten unto not a living hope but a sure death, surely you will die. So when Adam sinned through his disobedience, what man could expect inside the works of the law and trying to have life by his own works is death. But now in the resurrection of Jesus, he has changed everything and he has begotten us unto a new hope. Now what he's actually saying there is basically that he's created, he's changed the destiny of man where we could only expect death now by the resurrection of Jesus, we can have a brand new life, a life wherein we can expect resurrection. This happened when Jesus was raised from the dead. That talks about a a kind of a global born again that takes place there. It talks about a new hope which is for whosoever believes upon him that means that Jesus was raised for all people but whosoever believes in this resurrection he finds a new life so when Jesus was raised up the whole world became was put into a place where they all now can have an expectation of eternal life those who put their expectation on this resurrection they cease from their own works which kills them and they receive that life. Okay, now I want to read first Peter one verse twenty-three here. It says, Born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which lives and abides forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flowers flower there or falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So what is he saying here? He says we are born again or we have a new life today. Now you you need to understand I'm just addressing what we would call uh, an experience of something new today. I'm still coming to what this real birth actually is. So he says, because all of us, we we accept Jesus, we feel everything becomes new. I'm born again. And that's what I am addressing here. When you really understand the resurrection, and you believe upon that resurrection, from that resurrection life, you're experiencing a new life now. Because God has given us a new destiny. And as we believe upon this truth, we experience that, that truth. And it says, this is... We are born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God which lives and abides forever. Now when it says that, it doesn't mean the Bible will abide forever. This Bible will not abide forever. This Bible that I have now is about not to abide anymore because you can already see what it looks like. Um, the Bible will not abide forever. The word will abide and what is the word? The word there in verse 25 is the gospel of that was preached, which is, Jesus is raised and through His resurrection was a message preached that you can have the same resurrection in Him. That word will abide forever. The physical resurrected Jesus and the message of life for people can never change and we are born of the revelation of the physical resurrection of Jesus and the change that comes into our lives is on account of the physicality, the physicalness of his resurrection. That's why we physically find changes in our lives. You can see we become new. Okay, now, the me- John 3, and, and I pray that we will really grab this. John 3, 1, And there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi... We know that your teacher that comes from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Very, very, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, we so many times look at that and say, stupid Nicodemus. Jesus said to him, you must be born again. And he didn't even understand. It was just a spiritual birth of his spirit. Now, Nicodemus was not as foolish. Jesus, although in the Greek we would say, a man needs to be born from above. The Greek means be born from above. But also in the Greek it talks about being born in a second time, again. And Nicodemus, understanding the perfect language which wherein Jesus spoke here, which I believe was Hebrew, he understood it as being physically born a second time, which is correct. He was not wrong. He had to be born a second time, physically, but he didn't know how that could be possible. For what he heard Jesus say was that Jesus said you physically need to be born a second time and he didn't know how that would be possible. How can I enter a second time into my mother's womb and be born again? Now we shouldn't throw that away. I think it's very good in the in in exegesis when we look at the understanding of the people of that time. What did Nicodemus understand? He understood that it is a physical birth. That it was his body had to be born again. The physical body of Jesus, or the physical body of Nicodemus, had to be born again. And he didn't know how could that be possible. Because we talk about in the church world, the born again spirit. Now, one day I asked, can somebody show me, where in the Bible does talk about the born-again spirit. And I was accused of stirring up things and causing havoc. But I mean, if we preach that, we need to talk about that. Where does it say our spirits are born again? It doesn't say that. It talks about our bodies being born from the spirit. That is what it talks about. It's got something completely new here. And you would say, why would this ever be important? The reason why this is important is because through this you're going to experience freedom from the bondage of sin and death, guilt and condemnation. You're going to see no reason to try and justify yourself by the works of the law. You're going to find no reason to find your identity in how much money you have, what your children study what you do for a living, or anything like that, you will find an understanding of the value of humanity. You'll start to find an understanding of who you are, who God is. You will have a metanoia together with thinking with God, which is the word for repentance, and you will experience deliverance from bondage, my friend. That is why this is so important to understand. But this is controversial. Who cares? Who cares? In the light of the truth, who cares if something is controversial? We want the truth. We want the life that is born from the truth. We want what, that which God came for to manifest in our lives. And here we find a man, Nicodemus, coming to Jesus, and he said to Jesus, God said to him, Jesus said to him, Unless you're born again, you cannot see or experience or have anything to do with the kingdom of God. You need a new birth. Now we find what Jesus was saying there is, and this is how I see it, is that you need to be begotten unto a new and living hope. You need a new hope. You need someone that is physically raised from the dead, and should he be physically raised from the dead, and you believe that you will be made physically immortal by his resurrection, and even should you die, shall your physical body be raised again, as you believe upon that, then you'll start to see and experience the kingdom of God. For then you are born of an incorruptible message, the message where, wherein we talk about the incorruptibility of the physical body of Jesus Christ. I hope Peter starts to make sense to you now as I, as I say this. Now, before we read on, I need to explain to you that Jesus himself had to be born again. Now, you can say to me, Baptiste, that is absolute nonsense. How can Jesus... He is the Son of God. How can, he, how can He ever be born again? I want to read Acts 13 verse 32. Now before I read that, let us read Romans. I'm going to read that from my Bible, Romans 1. hope you guys are following with me. I'm not in a hurry. I'm enjoying this. verse 1, Romans 1, 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he promised afore by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh. Okay, so, Jesus was made of the seed of David, According to the flesh. That means he was born of Mary. Now verse 4. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So he was made of Mary and he was declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection. Now with that in mind, let's go to Acts 13 and I'm going to read from verse 32 it says and we declare unto you glad tidings how that the promise which was made unto our fathers God has fulfilled the same unto us their children okay so what is he saying here in Acts 13 please follow he's saying that there was a promise made unto our fathers and it was fulfilled unto us what does Paul say in Romans here? He clearly says in Romans here, which, had, which he had promised afore by the prophets unto the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ. So we're talking about the same thing here. He says, God has fulfilled this promise unto us their children in that he has raised up Jesus again as it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son this day Have I begotten you? Okay, so now, that that is, when was Jesus now born? Because we see here that he was made of Mary. We all know a, a child was born. A child was born. But that's not what God gave us. God didn't give us baby Jesus. Because the baby Jesus is not what can save us. What saves us is the begotten Son of God. And that is something different, and we need to understand that. We need to understand the new birth. We need to understand what it means to be born again. Jesus was born of Mary. But the Bible says here, in Acts 13, 30, it says that he has fulfilled the same unto us that children, in that he raised Jesus again, As it's written in the second psalm, you are my son this day. Which day? The day he was raised from the dead. I have begotten you. So Jesus was born of Mary and then he was born out of the dead. From out of the dead into an immortal, undying human being. Can you see that? Jesus had a birth from his mom, but whatsoever is of the flesh of Mary is flesh. That is how it is. So what he was saying is, if you're born from your physical mother, and you cannot be born from the dead, you cannot experience or see the kingdom of God. You need a physical new birth. And that's why Nicodemus was so confused. He was completely confused. He was thinking that the whole thing was I need to be physically born again. I need a physical brand new birth and I don't know how it's going to take place. But we today in hindsight can see how a physical birth can take a place can take place again. A physical birth can take place again. Jesus was physically born out of the grave. Never to die. To have a flesh that can never die. And he is saying unto us, unless you are born again, unless I come and I stand up in in a brand new life, raised physically from the dead, you cannot have a new life because you will not have this hope. You're still hoping to be saved by your works. But if I can be physically raised, born again, then you can also be born again. Now, how does that take place? Now, one can easily think of universalism right there and saying the whole world is born again. That is not what John 3 teaches and we're going to show that to you right from John chapter 3. Okay, so let me summarize before I get into the personal side of this whole message wherein we experience the new birth. God wants us to repent. The reason why He wants us to repent is because it brings a new life to us. He has come so that we can have a new birth, that we can be born again. He has come so that He can bring a brand new hope and to all of humanity in physically raising a man from the dead. Since his goal with man is incorruptibility, Im- immortality or what I would call eternal existence inside the quality of God's life. Physical eternal existence inside the quality of God's life. And you might say, where do you get that word from? Simply the Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of God. He is that message. Physical incorruptibility, eternal existence inside the quality of God's life as a human being. Now, we who have that hope, the Bible says, we have a new life today. We have a new life today. Now, how does that take place? And this is now when we're going to get into uh, verse 13. Let, us, let me first touch on this. Uh, somebody asked me to mention this. The Bible says uh, in verse 7 here, "Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wants and you hear the sound thereof and cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus answered unto him, How can these things be? So what he was actually saying to him here is that you must be born of water and the Spirit. Water, what it talks about there, I believe it was talking about the baptism of John, meaning you need to repent of, uh, because when John was baptizing, they were preaching repentance of Judaism, repentance of trying to be saved by your works basically uh, and waiting on the Messiah. So there have to be a place where you as a Jew acknowledges that you cannot be saved by your works. That was born of water and the the Jewish system also believed that there was a new birth that took place when you were physically baptized because you now received a new life under teaching of the rabbi. So you need to be born of water, meaning you need to repent of your works. You need to have a change of mind and you will have to have the, re- the spirit of the resurrection then bring forth a new life in you. Otherwise, you will never be able to experience the kingdom of God. And that, that makes sense and that's true for all of us. So, um, and I believe what it says that uh, the wind blows wherever it wants and you hear the sound thereof, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is he that's born of the spirit. I believe the Jews understood that the life they had was born of the law. They were sons of the law. They had a bar mitzvah, son of the law. They say we come from the law. We obey the law. And because we obey the law we from there know where we are going by what we are doing. I think think he's addressing that there and he's basically saying that eternal life is something, you don't know where it comes from, you don't know where it's going to end, like God, who made God, no one knows. He says, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. He has got no beginning and he has got no end for he's entered into the very life of God. Now that is, I can still teach a lot about that, but I don't want I just want to just drop that nugget there. Verse 13, verse 14. Now, now now, he's explaining to Nicodemus how a person must be born again. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish or die, but have eternal existence inside the quality of God's life or the quality of God's person. Okay, so he says Jesus must be lifted up as what the snake was lifted up in the wilderness. So what is he saying? He says that to be born from above means Jesus must be lifted up like the snake was lifted up. He was referring to the cross there. If you go to Numbers 21, you will see that the people did not want the manna that fell from heaven. Then fiery serpents came and bit them. What happened when the snake bit them? The poison went into them and they were bodily dying. They were physically dying. So they were born of their mothers and then they lived and then they were losing that life and they were surely dying. It's like being bit by a black mamba. If a black mamba bites you, that's death penalty. You're dead. You're not going to make it. You're going to die. If you make it, it's a miracle. If you make it, it's almost like you've been born again. You know, you've had a life that was lost. You've got a new life in this body now, if you make it. So, and the same concept is true here. Jesus said, or God said, take a snake and put it on a pole and then whosoever then looks at the snake on the pole, which we, now talk, which we know talks about Jesus upon the cross, which talks about the death of death. If you can behold the death of your death, which we can only behold in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We saw Jesus die, we saw him raised up, and now we look at Jesus that was raised up, seated in a physical body at the right hand of the Father, and as we are beholding the physical Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, in a physical human form, where he was begotten from the dead, what happens now? The Spirit that seals us unto also being begotten physically from the dead is upon us and we start to live a life of the new birth and we will still find our bodies be born again in the resurrection and we will live and not die. That is what this whole thing is all about. It sounds very complicated but this is exactly what Jesus was teaching. Let me teach it in a very simple way. This is what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Lord, how can this body be born again? Well, your body is dying, Nicodemus. What is born of the flesh is flesh. But what you need is to have your body born of the Holy Spirit so that your body can never die. But how is this possible? This is how it's possible, Nicodemus. I, the Son of Man, which is in heaven, meaning, and this is a language for saying, which is, has authority over humanity, I have to be lifted up as the snake was lifted up in the wilderness. In other words, I need to be lifted up in a way wherein you can lose the death in your physical body. And the only way Jesus can do that was to be lifted up on a pole, which is upon the cross, die, and then ascend on high, be raised up, On high, and now we can be born from above, meaning we can, as we believe in the physical resurrection and having the hope of bodily immortality by what Christ has done, that Spirit that raised Him from the dead is then poured out on us, and so are we born again, and we will not perish but have eternal existence. And the good life we live now is the spirit whereby we will have the rebirth of our bodies in the resurrection that is now saying that we are truly the sons of God, and the life we have now is begotten of this hope we are having. That's how it technically works. Remember I've warned you guys earlier the week this week this is just gonna be Pure theology, very technical, but liberating, liberating. I want to say to you, if you go and sign a contract to buy something, you read that whole contract, you get lawyers to read it for you, your wife reads it, you make sure you ask your son to read it, you make sure uh, you ask certain questions, the lawyers check it out, and then you sign. Now, if we put so much effort into buying a stupid house, (laughs) <laughs> why can we not study and say, Lord, I want to see what's going on here. I want to understand. So I want to say this, and this you might say, very technical, but I won't tell you how simple it is. This is what it is. Man is physically dying, and God had to give us a physical new life. The only way he could do it was to become a physical man, physically die, and be physically raised so that we can, and in that, death and resurrection had, had to be ours, and as we believe upon that, those who believe upon Him will not die, but they will live forever. To them is given the life that came from the resurrection, and we shall see the new birth of our bodies in the resurrection as well. So, we already have that life, we're experiencing what the Bible says as the first fruit of that. So are we born again? Yes. Are we seeing our bodies born into a body that does not die? We're seeing Jesus and that we behold and we have the hope of that. Glory to God. So I want to say to you, you need to be born again in order for you to understand the kingdom of God. The way you're going to be born again is this way. You will have to be born by the resurrected Jesus unto a new and living hope then you will have to believe this. As you believe in this physical resurrection and what I've shared to you today, this book will all of a sudden start to make sense. It's like the moment I started, and you guys will know I started about four or five years ago, really talking about the resurrection. The last two years, hammering on it. As you see this, my friend, it's as if you are seeing the kingdom. You never understood it. It is, it's, Jesus was right. Unless you are born again, as I've explained now, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot understand the kingdom of God. It will still be all about trying to go to heaven, streets of gold, this and that and whatever. You will not know how it is that a man can have, live, a holy life in this earth. You will understand the fruit of the Spirit. You will not understand how to read the law. You will not understand the the account in Genesis. You will not understand the appearing in Ezekiel to uh, to Ezekiel. You will not understand Isaiah and Jeremiah. Uh, So many things will not be understood because you have not understood the goal of God and how he has attained that goal in the resurrection. Glory to God. Summary in two minutes. Jesus had to be raised in a physical body so that we can be born from having a hope of immortality. And the born again means that you need to have a recreated or rebirth of your body and since Jesus became our sin in the likeness of sinful flesh and all of that and conquered sin in the flesh we in our flesh have the hope of a new birth meaning immortality and that from that truth the spirit of that truth enters us and that's why we live a holy life glory to God now that was a mouthful and I trust that you will listen to this again pray to God ask God Lord what is this all about? Like Isaiah says there, he says, a son, a, a, a child was born, but a son was given. Man, I'm going to read that. Read John 3:16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, who was given unto us that whosoever believes in Him should not perish. Who was given? The only begotten. Who is the only begotten? Was that the one that was made of a woman? From the womb of Mary? Or is that the one that was physically raised from the dead? God didn't give you. What was given unto us, what, what is given unto us to save us, is not just the cross. What, the cross had to be there in order for God to give us, a begotten Son so that we can believe upon the begotten Son so that we can be begotten from the begotten Son. That we can be the firstborn from amongst the amongst many brethren. He's the first. And we shall be born from the dead in the day of the resurrection. But as for now, we have the Spirit whereby we cry, Abba, Father, saying, he is, He is our Father, and then there will be a day wherein we will receive the adoption, which is the redemption of our bodies or the birth of our bodies, the second birth or the born from above. Your body needs to be born from above. If your physical body cannot be born from above, I mean, how will you be saved from sin in the flesh? Now, what I've been teaching to you today would not be common knowledge. Yet, I fully believe it's the truth and you can go and study it and test it to the scriptures and see if it stands the proof of scripture in the context of a physical, immortal human being seated at the right hand of God. Glory to God. Amen. Remember, whatever argument you have, whatever point you have, needs to weigh up to the fact that there's no bones in Jesus' grave, that he was seen by the apostles, he was seen by more than 500 people at once, he was seen by Peter, and signs, wonders, and miracles was done, as in the time of the Bible, and even today, as a sign of the physical birth from the dead, where Jesus was born a second time from the dead, where he was declared as the only begotten of God, and that is the one, that is given unto us. So that as we behold him. Expecting as the people that looked at the snake that was lifted up. Expecting death to end in them. And then bodies not to die. And continue to live. That as we expect that. Which we know will take place in the day of the Lord. As pertaining to our bodies. We will have a new life. That's how this whole thing works church. Glory to God. Well I want to thank you so much for watching this. And I want to ask you. Uh, th- there's just th- there's one thing I'm going to ask you, and that is, believe this. Believe this. Out of this belief and repentance, you will find a brand new life, a life that will testify, a life that will will bring forth peace and joy and help others. Glory to God. Thank you so much for watching, and then I will send you some short messages in the week via Facebook. Know that you are precious and loved by God. God bless.